Hi everyone, and welcome to Small Biz Gone Viral, an attempt via podcast to humanize the impact COVID-19 is having on small businesses and the humans that run them. I'm Grant LeBeau, your host and small business owner who is pushing the COVID business rock up Pandemic Hill, just trying to not get run over. If you are a small business owner, this podcast is here to be your audio shoulder to cry on and to convey you are not alone, this too shall pass, and we will get through this together. If you are not a small business owner, just enjoy the sneak peek behind the entrepreneurial curtain. The second reason for this pod is to simply capture the day-to-day momentous challenges faced by entrepreneurs one long-form anecdote at a time. In just a few minutes, we will chat with Whitney A. White, who, while certainly facing her own business challenges, has created hands-on, or hands-off and virtual hands-on, coaching programs to help individuals cut through the noise and accomplish their lofty goals. Feeling pulled in all directions right now myself, I wanted to hire her. But then I remembered, ah man, I'm all out of cash. So I concocted this elaborate scheme to record 14 podcasts just so I could get her on the phone for 45 minutes and pick her brain for free. But first, a fun fact and some numbers. Today's fun fact, humans follow incentives. In this case, transportation trends are following common sense, but are still interesting to point out. Car sales are back up beyond pre-pandemic levels, bike share apps are up too, ride sharing is down 20%, and public transportation is down almost 60%. Though I'm not sure if Florida was included in these stats, humans are generally trying to stay away from other humans. Thanks to Morning Brew Newsletter for those numbers. And let's do the facts and figures. Hard to believe, but COVID continues to set new records in the wrong direction. American COVID cases have surpassed 3 million in total, 1 million of those coming in the last month alone. Sometimes the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And the USA seems to have 50 hands. New York seems to be getting things under control, instituting stricter standards, including mandatory 14-day quarantining for out-of-state visitors. Meanwhile, Arizona is in the middle of reversing course on reopenings after being overwhelmed by new COVID cases. Its hospitals are so full that it is sending some patients out of state to receive care. And just one more not-so-fun COVID stat, eight states in the U.S. have more than 100,000 cases, a number only 20 countries have exceeded. Apparently, individualized, localized guidelines and regulations all over the spectrum of response don't do much if the city or state next door is doing the exact opposite. It's almost like a universal federal policy around masks, shelter in place, business guidelines, or anything would be helpful. Countrywide problem, municipal level responses, Bueller, Bueller. Anyway, on to economic stats. Unemployment has fallen by 2% in back-to-back months, currently hovering around 11%, down from an April high of nearly 15%. Like we've mentioned before, and is a commonly accepted economic principle, the economic wheels are greased by lots of people having money to spend, i.e. the middle class. Speaking in generalities here, when a relatively small percentage of the populace is poor, the effect on the majority is economically small. At some point, though, as that number grows to exactly what is a huge point of contention, but at some point, there is a Gladwellian tipping point where the ripple effects are more of a chain reaction. Apple needs many millions of people to have enough money to buy new iPhones every year. At some point, and again, that number is a source of serious debate, when a large enough group of people no longer have disposable income, it hurts the wider economy. As extra unemployment benefits run out, 
the $1,200 stimulus check is farther and farther in the rearview mirror of time, PPP funds are emptied and states begin re-implementing closures, there is a serious risk, probably worth planning for, that we hit that tipping point. But take that with a grain of salt, because the stock market, run by people who spend all their time looking at it, and are plugged way more into that world than I will ever be, seem to be in sort of a holding pattern, kind of waiting and seeing, betting with their wallets neither for nor against the future of the American economy. Put differently, the Dow Jones finished yesterday just a hair over 26,000, basically in the same ballpark it's been for the last month. On to the good part. My guest today is one of those people who just emanates confidence, someone who exudes wisdom. You know that saying that you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with? Well, if you had five Whitney A. Whites, I am not uncertain that you'd accomplish your life goals before breakfast. Whitney's Take Back Your Time coaching program helps you high-potential individuals cut through the noise of the million and one things on your plate that have you on the brink of disaster and shift you to living each day knowing you're moving in your purpose and are on track to be the person you're destined to be. Here to explain in detail what that means, what she does, and how she has used her own tips and tricks to survive and thrive through COVID is Whitney A. White. Hi, I am so excited to be here. Uh, I feel like I'm interviewing a high-powered super attorney who charges by the second, and I'm lucky <laughs> enough to have you on this show, so I want to maximize every minute of it. So, all right, let's do it. All right. Uh, let's start. Uh, first, just explain in layman's terms what it is you do and what inspires you to do it. So you actually gave a really, really awesome summary, and that's impressive because often people are like, well, what is that? What's coaching? Like, what, what do you really do? And what I do is essentially what you said. I work with folks who have really big goals, really big visions for their lives, but day to day, they just have these mile long to-do lists. They have all these ideas in their head and they can't get clear and focused and actually accomplish those goals that really matter the most to them. So what I do is help them cut through the noise, cut through all of that stuff and get back to themselves, back to what's truly driving them, what's truly that vision that they have for their lives. And then we create a step-by-step -step roadmap to make that a reality. And I give them a whole lot of support and accountability to stay on track and make it happen. I, I, I love it. Um, and the, the, the nature of your job obviously requires a lot of trust from your clients. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe there exists a higher degree for what you do to untap human business potential like there would be for like a, like a clinical psychologist or therapist. Uh, so what is your background that gives you the ability and the confidence to do the work that you do? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, to be honest, I think the first part of my, my background is being an awesome human. <laughs> so yes, yes, I love it. Start with being an awesome human. So um, I, I kind of think about my, my whole life, and I've always been this person who, one, is genuinely interested in people. I, since I was a little kid, I would observe people, I would watch and listen very, very carefully. I was always interested in, in people and, and cultures. Um, I studied anthropology in undergrad and really 
learned how to unpack not just what people were doing and saying, but really our beliefs and what drove those actions. And then also those structures and those systems that socialized us to be able to show up in a certain way and interact with one another in a certain way. That training in anthropology also really helped me be able to listen intently and deeply and observe what people do and say and, and all of that good stuff that frankly gave me the skills to build this curriculum. So on top of all of that interest in people, I'm also a business person. I've always been a business person. I started my first business in elementary school. After undergrad, I started my career at Bain & Company where I was advising Fortune 500 executives when I was 22. So it's really combining the fact that I've always been a business person. I've always had this passion around business and it's what I've done my entire career with the fact that I've always been so interested in people. And I've been that person that people come to for advice, that people come to for free advice is what it used to be. <laughs> Before I before I started my uh, my coaching and I made it more formalized, I, I can only imagine that that people come to you now, and I'm sure still like kind of those those fringe friends where like you get like the random text like, "Hey, how have you been? We should catch up sometime." And you're like, <laughs> "Yeah, I haven't talked to you in like 37 months. Uh, what is your business issue that that you want to get solved you know, for free?" That's a really good point because what I noticed a few years ago was that, wow, you know, I have for a decade been that person who I would talk to anyone. I would talk to the friend of the friend of the friend if someone wanted advice, if someone wanted to pick my brain, people would come to me a lot for career advice and business advice, or they had an idea. And honestly, I enjoyed it. It didn't bother me. I know that I personally have benefited from other folks who've taken the time to let me pick their brain or you know, share some advice with me. So I totally didn't mind at all. But I also recognized that if I wanted to spend more time helping people in this kind of way, then I needed to charge for it because I, I ran a business. I already had an innovation practice. And I knew if I really want to help people in a concentrated way, I have to charge money so that I can spend more time doing it. Yeah, it makes you uh, more um, more efficient, more effective uh, to be able to to concentrate your time and by by placing a value on something that is obviously quite valuable. And I can I can imagine that uh, it, it's and actually I, I want to talk about this later. So I'm, I'm actually going to save that question. Um, kind of a, about how you go about valuing and, and kind of the the adaptations and, and kind of pivots that you've made, but that's we're going to save that for the for the mid COVID segment. So uh, I, we touched briefly on it in the in the intro, but uh, who is your ideal client? And then just as far as your well, first who, first who is who is your ideal client? Yeah, so it's actually pretty interesting how I found this person or identified them, or at least I think it's interesting. Um, I was doing lots of innovation projects. So I, I started a business back in 2011 called Afara Global, where I work with startups, social enterprises, big corporations, nonprofits. I help them launch and scale new products and services. And so what I was seeing in that work was that there were these employees, these leaders within these companies who had amazing visions, not just for what they wanted to do within their companies, but I get to know people when I'm working closely with them. So I understood that they had visions for their, their life. They 
were high potential. They'd always been told they were high potential their whole life. They were these high achievers. They did well in school. They got the top job offers, all that good stuff. And they knew that they could just do more and more with their life. And it wasn't about them. It wasn't, oh, I just want to make more and more money. They really felt like they could have an impact in whatever it was, whether it was in business, whether it was in some kind of social good. But day to day, they were spinning. I mean, they were just had so much that they were trying to get done. Their, their brains were just constantly spinning in the sense where, honestly, they showed up as someone who was high potential, was doing really well, but they're always really stressed out. They're always kind of having some idea that maybe they don't move forward on or, you know, you might have that friend who always has a really cool idea or who you know is really smart, but somehow they don't finish things. Um, so I started... <laughs> I just raised my Are hand. Are you that person? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I come home every so, night. And I tell my wife of my my brand new idea, and just the other day she goes. So are are you going to do one of these? Because I've been coming home with more and more of them. But yeah, I, I get it. Exactly that person. And I actually um, I used my you know, my background in anthropology. I did tons of interviews, and at this point, I have done hundreds of interviews, and I I love this just talking to so many different people. And I came up with this persona. So what I call this person. And it was man overboard in a sea of ideas. That is the, the name for, for the persona. And that is essentially my, my target. They're not all men, no, but it was that kind of idea, right? Like man overboard um, in, in a sea of, of ideas. Right. I, I totally get it. Um, and, and so I've, I just have two more questions and, the, and then we'll move on to the, to the, to the mid COVID. Um, so and before I, I lose my train of thought about the, the question that I said I was going to ask later, I'm actually just going to ask it right now. Let's um, do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, why put off to tomorrow what you can do today? What rules? What yeah. rules? So I have noticed anecdotally that for like the, for the intangibles, for the services that come in the form of conversations, um, that it's really difficult for humans to agree on, on, on the value, right? Uh, you're nodding your head vigorously. Uh, if, so if, if you have no money, it can be really difficult to spend money on a conversation, even if it might be the long-term smart investment. Uh, what has been your experience in this regard as someone who is selling the service of essentially catalyzing the potential of another human? Yeah. For me, I started with the data. So I am super people, touchy-feely, all of those things. And I'm also super analytical. So I did a lot of research out there and just saw what, what are coaches charging? What do people charge for this type of service? I also knew that I wanted to position myself as a premium product. Um, I knew that because I knew the caliber of person that I wanted to be working with. And when I say the caliber of person, I don't mean that some people are better than other people. I meant the sphere of influence. So I knew from my work with my innovation practice, and I still see this today, that folks who are high up in organizations, folks who are executives, whether it's a small organization where someone's a leader or they're a leader in a big organization, they influence so many people's lives. If you have ever worked at a big company and your boss did not know what they were doing, your life was probably pretty not great. I don't know if I can curse, so I paused. <laughs> 
you can do whatever you want. Not great. <laughs> it was pretty shitty. Yeah. So it matters when those folks are off track, when they are burnt out, when they are in horrible moods because they can't get a meal and they can't work out and they can't see their family. They make everybody miserable. And so I knew I wanted to be working with executives, small business owners, folks who were leaders kind of moving up in their careers, like those kinds of folks. And so in order to do that, I knew I needed to price my program as a premium product and really position it there. So in terms of what I've done, I actually, where my pricing is now is 10X where I started. And um, I think I was a little slow in the beginning to increase, you know, increase price, but I started out with a price just based on research where, um, you know, I looked at it and it was my pilot. So I said, okay, I've, this is my first cohort. I've done all these interviews. I've built this curriculum, but it's a test. So I don't know what people are going to be willing to pay for this. Also, it is my first time doing it. So the way I positioned it was, hey, you guys are going to get a discount. It's probably going to be twice as expensive later. I didn't know it would ever be 10 times, <laughs> but it will probably be twice as expensive later, but you're going to give me really great feedback. And that's what I'm going to get in exchange for giving you this discount. So I essentially priced it where someone would, um, pay for a computer, a new computer, because I just actually bought a new laptop and my laptop stopped working and I went online and I was like, okay, I just need a new laptop. So I'm just going to buy a new laptop and I need it to work. It's important. I'm going to buy it without thinking too hard about it. And I figured that same decision process is a similar one that I wanted my ideal buyer to go through to say, okay, I need this. It's a around a price where I feel like I don't have to think about it too much. It's an investment, but I need it. I'm going to do it. So that's where I started. And then I just kept increasing, increasing the price. Um, and we'll get into this maybe a little bit more in the, um, in the mid COVID, but it's actually during COVID that I did my latest price increase where I increased prices by, by 50%, just based on supply and demand. Um, but over time it took me, I would say it took me about a year and a half to go from, um, that first, that first price to, um, you know, five X that, that first price. Okay. I, I, I love the, the analytical, like oh, the, the, the supply and demand essentially, like just like, just like the, the basic application of economic principles to, well, if people are going to pay, if, if, if there's continues to be demand and more demand than I can take on, then you raise the prices. Like, of course, Econ 101. But you know, I think that's so important when you have a service-based business, because it's hard to do that. It's hard to take yourself out of it. If yeah. you put your passion, your heart, your soul into the product, which is partially you, right? Oh, it's definitely it's you. It's hard to put yourself out there and say, this is what I think it's worth because a lot of people are going to say, no, I don't think it's worth that. And yes. So part of what, yes. yes. I mean, and then you, you have that personal rejection. It's not like the product on the shelf where someone just walks by it and you don't know. I mean, they didn't, you weren't sitting there on the shelf and they walk by you and shake their head and say, oh, that's too expensive right? Yes. My product, that's exactly, you know, that's exactly what happens. So I had to ground myself in, okay, Whitney, this is not about you. This is about math. This is math. And the math says, <laughs> says this. And what I would tell myself, because I, I run my program in cohorts, if there's a point where I can't sell out a cohort, then that price is too high. But as long as I can keep selling out a cohort, then I can keep increasing the price until I just can't find anybody else who will pay that price. Right. First of all, I think like I'm gonna have to go back and edit out myself just uh, like vehemently agreeing with you in the back. <laughs> everything you're Leave saying. it in. But I just I I love it. Like it, it's just be because I, I love it from like a uh, I don't know a business breakdowny kind of like like a, a, a just a 
the the thought experiment of it all but economically like you are not selling uh in in an iPhone or, you know, or, or something that's like to the, you know, to the masses, right? You are, you're a solopreneur. You've been around this business in its current uh, existence has been around for three or four years ish. Right. Yep. Um, So you don't need a hundred percent of the world to agree on your value, right? Because there's, there's one of you there, you're 24 hours in a day, your, your time and, and, and resources are limited. And so there, there, you, you don't need the whole world to be like, yeah, I, we think that you are worth this. This is what everyone is willing to pay. You want most people to go, uh, no, that is like, t- 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 that is extraordinarily expensive the, the, to, to balk at that pricing because you almost want like a self-selecting group of people exactly. who, a, who place value on what you are doing and then be like, you're only able to catch so many fish in a day, right? And if you're wasting your time trying to catch a hundred little fish, no, go catch five giant fish or two humongous record-setting fish, right? I mean, that's just- Exactly. That is a perfect way to describe it. And it's actually a decision that I didn't come into this business having made. It's after I got started, I realized I wanted to go in that direction. I initially thought I was going to do something much more mass market, keep a lower price point. But then I really enjoy going so deep with clients and being able to do that just means that I spend a lot of time invested in each client. So it needs to be more expensive. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Last question before we go to the the mid COVID segment, heading into 2020, what were your goals for the business and put differently, what would 2020 look like for you if and this is obviously a huge if, if COVID had never happened and everything went according to plan. So in fall of 2019, I got really excited about being in person, interacting with people. This sounds so crazy in COVID. It sounds so bizarre. Talking with other, yeah, interacting with other humans. What are you, insane? In person, in in person. person. (laughs) Yes. Crazy, crazy. Uh, so my program's virtual. Folks who do my program are, are all over the U.S., all over the world. But the summer of 2019, I traveled around um, the country, and one of my clients called it book tour with no book. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> I traveled around the country and connected with folks who'd already done my program, alumni of my program, people in my community, my network, and it was so much fun. So I had happy hours and dinners and lots of coffee chats, and I wanted to just get back out there, talk to more people, understand people's needs, understand pain points, all of that stuff. And I came away from it saying, oh gosh, this is so much fun. I love this so much. I want to do a retreat. So I went into fall of 2019, with the plan for this retreat that I was going to have in January, take back your time, retreat 2020 to kick off the year. And then I thought if that goes well, I can do retreats every quarter. I can do events throughout the year, these other in-person events and people pay to come to the event. And then folks who come to the event can also buy my full program. So they've gotten a taste of working with me. I've gotten a taste of working with them so I can know if I want to work with them or not. And then they can come into my full program. So this was essentially my marketing strategy for 2020 in-person events. Okay. <laughs> that is a fantastic <laughs> cliffhanger because I'm uh, heading into this next segment because I, I cannot wait to hear what happens next. But 
our listeners are going to have to wait to hear what happens next because first it's time for our guests unsponsor. Uh, it's time for you to tell us about a business, AKA an awesome business run by awesome people who produce an awesome product uh, that deserves a shout out and optimally the patronage of our listeners. So before we get to what actually happened in 2020, before we turn the page uh, and, and find out how you've, pivoted or hurdled right over COVID. Uh, who is your unsponsor and why? So my unsponsor is Thrive in Shine. So that's Thrive, the letter N in the word shine.net. My friend Jason Young is awesome. And he is the founder of Mind Blown Labs. So he runs this company that creates game-based financial education tools. With the pandemic, I was talking to Jason about everything that's happening for parents, how they are juggling homeschooling their kids, trying to keep their kids entertained so they can do work calls, all that stuff, and just how stressful it is for, for parents. Well, being the incredible entrepreneur that he is, Jason took that and he really ran with that. And his company created a virtual money camp for kids. They have an app called Thrive and Shine that the kids use and they have incredible live instructors so your kid can sit there with the instructors and the app and be learning and engaged in a small group of other kids i totally recommend it for parents who are looking for fun educational activities for their kids you can sign up at thriveandshine.net i can't wait to have kids just so i can send them to this program <laughs> Oh my God, this is, awesome. uh, that is like my absolute stay at home dream uh, activity for, for my, my future yet to be born kids. Okay, uh, let's move on to mid COVID and let's, let's find out what exactly happened. So uh, as we always do in the show, let's start with March 1st, 2020. That's the, that was the, the first COVID related death in the US. Um, walk me through your timeline, your uh, kind of uh, your professional experience in terms of event cancellations, realizations as to the to the magnitude of of COVID, which obviously wasn't like an overnight thing, um, and we're still living out that uh, that that experience. And then maybe some of like your your bigger decision points um, over the last few months. Yeah, my, my heart kind of started to speed up when you took me back there. I'm like, oh, we're going back to that traumatic place. Not again. <laughs> Not again. Yes. Uh, so the beginning of March, I'd, I'd heard about coronavirus. Um, I knew that it was happening, but I, I, didn't, I wasn't thinking about it so much in terms of the U.S., um, I'd heard about it more so because of the way it was impacting one of, one of my clients. Um, I'd been working with one of my clients on an eyewear line. She's totally badass, amazing. And her factory that we'd found um, in, in China just had shut down. And so that had been happening for months and it was really frustrating because it'd been so much work to get to that point. And then she was going to a, um, a conference in Italy and then Italy was like, no, 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 we're closed. Right. And so that, that eyewear conference where she was going to meet with lots of um, retailers and distributors and all this stuff got, got closed. And so it was just really, really demoralizing for her. And so that was the lens through which I'd been experiencing COVID. That's it. I really had not been paying attention to the news. Um, I'm someone who um, I, I'm either into something or I'm not into it. 
So when I'm into the news, I'm that person who's reading it for hours a day. And when I'm not into the news, I'm like, I'm not into it. I don't know what's happening. So I was in the, I'm focused on my business. I'm not really into the news. And so I just did not have this sense of, oh, COVID is coming here. So I actually had lots of events planned. I had an event for mid-March that was a live in-person one-day um, event in D.C. I had a dinner party that was in D.C. that was kind of a swanky customer appreciation event for, for my clients, and they could also bring a guest. I had an event in Atlanta, a VIP day in person with an, with an executive client where we would spend the whole day together in person, <laughs> which sounds so crazy now. Um, and I also had a dinner party, one of these other swanky dinner parties that I had planned for Atlanta um, as well that were all happening within a few days of one another. So I had these four events, these, they were all happening and I'm just kind of going about life. I'm still marketing my, my in-person DC event and I'm picking menus for my Atlanta dinner, um, all of this kind of stuff. And in addition to those events that were coming up, I had a retreat that had sold out for um, May in Barbados, where I was so excited. I was so, so excited. This retreat that was for folks who really wanted to take a step back and invest in themselves. Un it was Unleash Your Inner Boss was the name of it. We were doing branding, doing photo shoots, like videography, like fancy, fancy stuff. Um, branding dream. I had an expert coming from Geneva, Switzerland to, to do the branding segment. This videographer who's amazing, who does TV and all this stuff. Come, I mean, I was excited. Can you tell how excited uh, I was I, about the year? <laughs> to spend time in Barbados, coming from the, the East Coast in the middle of winter. Yes. Yeah, I, I got it. <laughs> yes, I was very excited. Yeah, so that's where I was. And then I started to hear more about COVID and I thought, okay, well, Hmm. All right. We might have to just think about some um, cancellations for things that were further out. I was planning a fall retreat and I was like, okay, you know, I don't know if we'll be able to do that exactly. Or, you know, just kind of to keep an eye on this. It just didn't register for me um, until honestly, it was just a couple days before my event in DC. I mean, I think my event, my event was on a Saturday and then on Wednesday, my event, I think, was on March 14th. And on, on that Wednesday, I thought, hmm, you know, I'm hearing more and more about this. And this is like, there are more cases and people are starting to get concerned. And I think maybe at that point, we were at some maybe groups no larger than 200. So there were all these conferences being canceled. And I thought, okay, but I'm fine. My, my event is really intimate. We're totally fine. We, we don't have a group that big. It's fine. But then I actually had people start reaching out to say, are we still having this? Is this still happening? And I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is totally still happening. Yeah, this is happening. Why wouldn't it be happening? So right. again, I'm not really in the news. And also for context, I am that person who before COVID would get on the plane and wipe all the surfaces with Clorox wipes, okay? I have always been that person. I am the person who I, I travel a lot for business. I have since the start of my career at Bain. I wipe, you know, all the high touch surfaces in the hotel, all of that. And so part of what happened is that I just had this sense that I didn't want to get like caught up in it and freak out for no reason because I am the freak out person. So all of this is going on. People are asking, is the event still happening? I said, yeah, it's still happening. And then a couple days before people start to say, well, I think I'm not going to be able to come. Like, I don't know about this. I, you know, I'm just a little nervous. I've got like a little kid or like something like that. And I was like, oh, totally fine. And I said, you know what? I think I should add something virtual 
So literally 24 hours before people were really concerned. I very quickly, I mean, I was up, it was like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. the night before this event. I ended up probably sleeping half an hour because I was rearranging things. I was canceling some of the food orders. I was setting up virtual capabilities for, for this event that was supposed to be all in person. And what we ended up doing, half the people joined virtually. And since it was, and then I actually, I would say a third of the people joined virtually, a third canceled outright, and then a third were there in person. And so there was tons of room for social distancing because only a third of us were there in person. So we were very spread out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was and, 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 and when was this? Was it still in March? This was like March 14th. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that is, Saturday. Yeah. That is still very early. Saturday, mid-March. Yeah. And so we literally like even, so we did the event. We, we did maintain distance. People didn't get close, but I will say at dinner, well, not dinner, we had a lunch. So at lunch, folks did like, we sat at the same tables, which now we'd be like, oh my goodness. Like we're just sitting like right here and these like. Living life um, on the edge, yeah. I know, but we didn't know. We did not know. I literally came early. I wiped everything in the in the meeting room down because I was like, okay, we have to be super careful and all. But you just, we didn't know this idea of, oh, this thing is like so airborne or like whatever the case could be, right? In right. Indoor spaces. And there was going to be a happy hour afterwards, but I ended up canceling the happy hour. So there wasn't a happy hour. We didn't do like the drinks and like socializing. But that event so happened. And you know what? The next day I flew to Atlanta. Now I did have, I wore a mask. I flew to Atlanta. I wore a mask. And it which, was- Which wasn't standard yet, by the way. It was like, not. Like it, I think I, it's so easy now in July to be like, oh yeah, masks, of course, and social distancing. But like at the time there was so much uncertainty. And well, first of all, let me say that with a caveat that like still millions and millions of people are not wearing masks because obviously like, we're, st we're still setting records because there is no universal policy that obviously would be so easy to implement and would make everything so much better. But I digress. Just going back to March though, you know, there was still like, is this just kind of like a slightly stronger flu, right? How is it translated? Who does it actually affect? Do you just get a little bit sick? Is it just the elderly who are, you know, who have a higher mortality rate? Like, you know, there were, there were so many questions, right? And so, you know, and if you, things were evolving so quickly that if you missed like one or two news cycles, it would be easy yeah. to just skip right over this. And also I think that, and I've talked about this in other, in other episodes, but I think that as Americans, we kind of wear this like weird, it can't happen to us psychological oh, armor. Yeah. Cause we're yeah. so used to hearing about like, Oh, Ebola. Well, that's like a crazy thing, a crazy virus, but that's in Africa or like, Oh, H1N1 or like, you know, sw you know, swine flu. Like, Oh, well, these are things that happen to like to other people, right. To, to, mm -hmm. to, to non-Americans. Americans like that that's happens overseas and that's something that we read about we don't live it so that's why I didn't wear a mask the day before I only wore the mask at the airport right because I thought okay now I'm in a high-risk setting in the airport people are coming from all over the world in the right. airport yes so I need a mask in the airport I don't need a mask just doing my regular things okay so this is a toll it changed very very rapidly so I wore a mask on that flight and I thought okay I'm going to be a crazy person nobody's going to have on masks um, I was surprised there were people in full hazmat suits in the airport and I was like, oh, okay. So some people are taking this seriously or maybe they know something I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. So I wore my, I wore my mask and this is going to be interesting because I flew back three days later and it was like the whole world had changed. So I had on a mask. There were a couple people in hazmat suits. There were a couple people who were, you know, in masks, but it wasn't a widespread kind of thing. People were acting normally. People were eating and drinking on planes 
like all of that stuff, right? So I get to Atlanta and then the, I think it was maybe a couple days after I got there. And to tell you, I went, I ate inside restaurants, right? I, I ate inside restaurants. They, they would, were sitting people next to other people, other tables. And I just said, oh, can you actually sit us like further away or like over here? And like, I requested that and they're like, oh, okay, fine. But they weren't like doing things very differently. Okay. Right. There are no guidelines. Yes. And then on Monday, that Monday, so I think I got there on Sunday. And then on that Monday, that I think is when Trump said, no gatherings more than 10 people. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, then it struck me because I thought if Donald Trump is saying this thing is real, because he'd been saying it wasn't. And well, so he still says that it's like, so, like, <laughs> right? like the, the amount of like mixed messages and like walkbacks and changing. And but I like, said, if this guy, if Donald Trump is saying, right, that we need to be concerned, that means, no, we need to be more than concerned. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that means we needed to have already been concerned. If the so, guy who won't wear a mask is saying it. Yes. And at that point, you know, we weren't there yet. We didn't know that, you know, exactly what would happen. But at that, at that moment i said okay if this guy is saying that this is serious and he's been saying the exact opposite he must have seen something and then i started reading i started digging 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 reading reading and then i thought oh no so i i canceled that event and it was the same day i ended up canceling the event um at in atlanta that um networking kind of like customer appreciation event i'd had them already move us into a private room so that we wouldn't be exposed to like anybody else and it was a big room for like maximum social distancing just because people were saying social distancing so i was like okay let's do that but i was like okay now this is a different level of thing just so i canceled that so you moved from a, so, you, so you moved from like a conference room to a ballroom but for <laughs> <laughs> for the same number of people yes yes and then and then so I really, I honestly, I was like, I don't want to get anybody sick, right? But I was thinking, I was thinking that they would be safe, right? So I was like, okay, I want to make sure I don't get anyone sick. So let's just have lots of room, lots of space. I don't want us exposed to the other people who are going to be at this venue. I want us totally separate, all of that kind of stuff. But then once I really started digging in, I thought there's just so much unknown and I just don't want to take any kind of risk with, with folks' lives. Right. And so I canceled that, the VIP day canceled because this the co-working space where we're gonna we're gonna do it shut down which is great because we would have need to cancel anyway um and then yeah i had i canceled that dinner party that i was going to have in um in dc um the restaurant was fantastic um it's a jose andreas restaurant and they have just been amazing how they've been supporting workers um and frontline workers with meals and all of this and they totally gave me a, a refund no problem the restaurant in Atlanta did not. Um, so we won't say who, who owns that restaurant, yeah. but, <laughs> but they did not. So I just, I just lost the money on that. And, you know, if we kind of even talk about, yeah, the, the financial part of it, right. There's some, there's not any consistency, right. So it just depends on the, the venue. So for the hotel where I'd held my event in DC, that Saturday event where I had a third of the actual people there, I actually was able to go to them and say, hey, um, you know, can I get a discount on this? And they cut the, they cut the price in half. So there were, there were definitely um, businesses, you know, companies where they didn't have to, but where they, they worked with me. So that helped in terms of losses, but it didn't help in terms of sales. Right. So yeah, so sales totally took a, took a dive. I, I think that the phrase that I've been going back to is like, 
everyone is just doing their best right and and humans like we said in the in the very intro and um the, you know what freakonomics is based off of and and what is like what what economics is based off of is like humans respond to incentives right so everyone's going to act in their own selfish selfish best interest for the most part and if you are a business owner you can say okay uh you know whitney's amazing uh we want her business in the future and we can afford to, so we are going to refund her business because we see that this is a long-term relationship that we will benefit from. And the, the return on the quote-unquote investment of a refund will pay significant dividends in the long-term. But if your business is not in a position to survive, to keep, to keep the lights on, if they return that money, then, then it's, it, it's like kind of what we were talking about earlier. Like if you don't have the money to make that investment, then I mean, this is why rich people get richer and, you know, the poor yeah, stay poor totally. because like you, when you have to buy like, you know, one single thing at a time as opposed to buying in bulk or like there's, there's, you know, a litany of examples that we could use. But essentially, if you don't have the resources to invest in that long term, and in this case, as as businesses, if you don't have that, 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 um, that safety net, right, that, that, that basically just a couple zeros in your in your bank account to get through this time, then you can't return people's money. Yeah, then, totally. then, then you're just closing your doors tomorrow. Right. Yeah, and so that's that, totally yeah. the, the calculus. And honestly, I, I had to make that own that calculus in my own business. Right. So for Barbados, at first I thought we will reschedule it. So I reached out to the villa. I'd, I'd already paid them in full. So I, I reached out and, and they were like, okay, yes, we can reschedule. And I thought, okay, we'll, we'll move the date. I didn't set a new date because there was so much uncertainty. Really I smart. Think, yeah, mm -hmm. I just thought, I don't know when this new date would be, but things started to just get worse here in, in right. this country. And honestly, it happened so quickly. I told you, I flew on Sunday. When I flew back on Tuesday, a lot more people had on masks. And I, when I came into Dulles, the, the airport here in, um, in DC, I... It was just bizarre. It was bizarre. It was like I was going, it was like another planet, another country, like a very bizarre thing because people were afraid. Like you could see the fear on people. You could see the sense of like the unknown, people wanting to stay away from other people. Even if you don't have an, on a mask, people just afraid of other people. No one seemed to really be that thoughtful about it when I was flying, except for just a, a few people the, the previous time. But this time on the plane, I was not the only one wiping off surfaces. Nobody wanted to touch anything. Um, I'd gotten upgraded, so I was in first class. Nobody wanted to touch anything. Nobody wanted to eat or drink or like people just, and which is interesting because these people fly all the time. Instead, instead of me being the crazy person wiping things, people are looking at me like, oh, I wish I had wipes. Um, so right. You're not the crazy was, person. You're the genius. Different. Yeah. Now I went from crazy person to, to genius. But yeah, that decision in my own business with Barbados came down to, I don't know when we're going to be able to do this. This needs to be virtual. Also, the folks who wanted to work with me, they need this help now. A lot of them, they're brands, they're, they're businesses. So I thought, okay, I'm going to make this a virtual experience. But then some people were like, I wanted to go to Barbados. Like, that's part of why I paid the, the money for this. Right. So right. The, yeah, right. So I cut the cost significantly because there wasn't, you know, all of the, the other expenses that were coming with the, the Barbados portion of it. And I offered it to those folks and there were people who asked for refunds and I refunded them. And, you know, honestly, that event that I'd had in mid-March, so about a week or, or so earlier, it was 
essentially a one day duplicate of the retreat that I'd had at the beginning of the year, which had worked out incredibly well for me. And this March event though, I made about 90% less than wow. I made on that other event. So it was just like, whoa, if remember I said at the beginning of the, the year, I was really thinking coming into 2020, I'm going to have these events. This is going to be my marketing strategy. I'm going to have these quarterly events. You know, I'm going to be able to do these retreats, all of this kind of thing. And I saw very quickly in this era of coronavirus, this thing just is not even profitable. Like I'm barely going to break even on, on an event like this, much less like make a real profit like I'd done before. So to be able to be in that moment and say, okay, I'm going to refund these people. Yes, some of it was the idea that I have relationships with them. I'm investing in these relationships, but also Grant, some of it was just on principle. I'm like this, I don't know what's happening in the world. We're in a pandemic. Everybody's freaking out. These people want their money back. I'm just going to give it to them um, because yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And just, I'm just in principle going to give them this, this money back. So I, I have, I have two kind of things that I, I really want to hit on before, before this is over. Uh, one, you seem, and, and this isn't hard. Like, I get this sense from the first like 12 seconds that I spoke with you, you seem bulletproof. Uh, and part of that is like, I think w what you, what you do for a living like this, it, it, these are practiced habits, right? But how has your, how has your psyche been during COVID after having to cancel all of those events, you know, going down 90% with no necessarily with no solution on no, no easy solution um, on the horizon, no, no end to, to COVID in, in sight, right? I mean, things, things back in March, they seemed like they were evolving quickly and, and were crazy. That was back when we had like 10,000 cases, 20,000 yes. cases, right? Where we had a million diagnosed in the last month alone, just in the last 30 days. So, you know, <laughs> things, things have gotten exponentially worse. So, yeah. How, how has your psyche been uh, d during COVID making all these adjustments where you were supposed to be generating revenues with many zeros? And then, you know, by virtue of 90% down, you're taking off a zero, right? Yeah. At, at a minimum. And then you're canceling other events. So have you had any moments of self-doubt like the rest of us? You know, it was funny when you said I seem bulletproof. The only reason I seem bulletproof is because I've been through so much hell before that I'm like, how could this new hell be worse? How could this new hell be right. worse? Everyone's in it with you together. <laughs> right? So I think that's that's part of it, right? And this this journey of being an entrepreneur is not an easy one. It is it's not an easy one. Under at normal all. circumstances. Under normal circumstances. And I'd been on on this journey for two years before, I mean, two years plus six months before I even got into the black back when I first started Afara Global. And so I'd had this, I knew that there was always the possibility of being in the red, right? Like I just know that in this business, but there's this sense for me that this is who I am, that this is who I am. And like, I am this entrepreneur. I am this person who, you know, has this certain kind of personality and I want to show up as my full self and I want this independence and autonomy. And so I think because I just know that I'm committed to this, though there were moments years ago where I was like, oh my gosh, should I just get a job because this is a struggle? Am I going to be able to make this work? But knowing for the past several years that I have just been committed to this, this is my life, it changes my mindset from, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, you know, to you better make this work 
because you have to put food on the table, not just for yourself, but also I have to put food on the table for my seven-year-old daughter. And yes, there were moments in my psyche because I was so, it, it was more so about the excitement. It was not about, okay, I'm losing money because I'm like, I will figure it out. But it was about just the excitement that I had for the year and for going so deeply with my clients. That January event was transformative, not just for the people who were there for those three days, but also for me. I had been working virtually with folks, so getting to connect with them in person. Um, I don't know if you follow Myers-Briggs, but I'm an INFJ, I'm an empath. Like I get so much energy from just being able to go deep with people. I'm an introvert, so I don't want to just do like the high-level networking and stuff. I don't like that. I like to go deep. So knowing that my whole year and my plans, because I am a planner, were just kind of out the window and these opportunities to really build and invest in my clients, yeah, there was a breaking point. That Monday when I had to cancel everything, I cried. I absolutely cried. And it was this moment where everything about me is kind of extreme. So I, I don't really go from like, Oh, I'm starting to get sad. I'm starting to get sad. I'm starting to get sad. No, I was like, everything is great. I'm so excited. And then I was like, holy cow, what's happening to the world? What's happening? The world to is the on planet? fire. Pandemic. Yep. Oh my goodness. And then I'm like, okay, I have to handle this. I have to handle this. I have to cancel this. I need to email these people, call these people. And so I'm handling business. I'm in business. Right. And then when that stopped, I was just there with me and my feelings and my emotions. And I cried because I was like, I really wanted this. Like I really, really wanted everything that I charted out for the year and I was so excited about it and it literally just went up in smoke. You guys can't see my face, but I'm literally making like one of these ugly cry faces right now. (laughs) It went up in smoke and it hurt. It was painful. And so, yeah, I gave myself that time to mourn. But I feel like you didn't, I mean, from the timeline that that you and I have kind of talked about and and the sense that I get from you is like, your, your time that you gave yourself to mourn it may have seemed like a lot to you, but to me from the, like to the outsider, it's like, I feel like you turned that page immediately. It was like three days. I mean, I gave myself like three days. I mean, three days. You were talking about that, that night before the conference where you slept for 30 minutes because you made that. I wasn't in mourning yet. (laughs) Okay. The fair, but, but my point is that you made that, that, that decision, you saw the writing on the wall, I think earlier than a lot of other people did where you moved things virtual. You, you gave people the option to go virtual back in mid-March, that was when things were just like, no, just keep pushing through, right? We're, we're going to get through this. This is all going to be over. Uh, it's, it's overblown. It's just a flu, not a big deal. And you were already moving to moving things online. And the, the, the fact that you said that you were down 90, per, you, you did 90% less revenue out of one of those events, and then you were canceling things. But you have turned things around so much. How does your revenue forecast for the rest of the year now look as compared to what you thought on, we'll say, February 29th? Yeah, I am on February, you know, on February 29th, I thought, okay, I am going to have a a 2020 that is, I think like two and a half, X my, my previous year for this business, right? Mm -hmm. So for take back your time and I am totally on track now to hit those numbers. So it's incredible because I had this moment of, I've got the plan for the year, like in January, February, you know, I had this huge success. Got it. I map out the whole year, going to hit this number. So exciting. And then COVID I was like, Oh gosh, 
wait a minute, the whole world is falling apart. I don't know what's gonna happen in my business, gotta figure it out. And now I'm honestly back at the place where I'm definitely gonna hit my number. And I, wow. I very well may be over my number for the year. So yeah, it's definitely, um, definitely turned around. <laughs> I am I am so impressed. Something you were talking about earlier about how like you have to put food, you know, you, like you have a seven year old daughter to feed and like, you know, th there are very real world uh, like necessities that there's no time to feel sorry for yourself. Right. And I, I think there's like the the kind of cliche, but basically like if you throw your 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 life vest overboard or you, you throw your life jacket or your, or your, your parachute, you, if you if you don't have a parachute, right, you, you throw that out the out the, out the plane, then you have to figure out how to land it you or how to fly it. Right. Like there, there is no other option. And so it sounds like you realize that very, very early on. And so to be able to make that pivot is just like so incredibly admirable. Uh, you're the first guest I've had on who I think is I think who has said that you will either hit or exceed your numbers because you were able to make that pivot so quickly. Have you felt that, um, and not to put words in your mouth here, but that people are perhaps looking or that, that some people are now more likely to look for a coach because they feel so overwhelmed? By oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's definitely been a shift also in the type of person. So what I saw in, what I saw from the end of March on has been an increase in small businesses looking for the type of work that I do in Take Back Your Time. So my, um, so my cohorts are typically five folks and my, um, I had a cohort that started at the very end of March the very beginning of April. So it was already scheduled to start then, right? And, ju and, and, then, and just and just to define cohort, basically like a, like, uh, a, yes. like, a, like, like a small individualized like working group that, that yes. kind of goes through a process together. Exactly. Okay. So they start together, they go through the program together. We have small group sessions together and then they also do one-on-one -on -one sessions with me. Yes. Okay. And they go through the curriculum, everything together. So that was going to start and then COVID happened. Um, and it's incredible because... I, in that cohort, four out of the five were small business owners, right? So there started to be, so I've always worked with lots of entrepreneurs in general, because that's my network. That's where, you know, I've, I've spent my career, um, since, since starting my own business in, in 2011, that's a lot of the folks that I, that I work with a part, as a part of my innovation work. So my clients have always been very entrepreneurial, not all of them, but a, a, a high number of them. But this was different. This was specifically small business owners, not like startup leaders, not folks who are, you know, having an idea that's a side hustle and they're, they're wanting to bring to life. No, but people who had small businesses. And so there was definitely that shift where there was more of a demand, not just for this idea of time management and how do I get a handle on everything? How do I do it? Because sometimes people think of what I do and they, they think of it in that bucket, but really this sense of, Hey, I know someone who knows business and I need someone who can help me get clear on where I need to go with my business, where, how I can shift things. Also, how do I prioritize and who's going to hold my hand every step of the way? That's what I was already doing with clients before, but for small businesses, they, there was just a greater need with COVID. 
And and when you say small business owners, the way that I think of small business small businesses versus kind of that other class of, of that that you were kind of alluding to is like a small business owner is someone who it, it, it is a it is a maybe not a, a lifetime, but it is a long term thing that you are more than likely bootstrapping or maybe taking like a small personal loan, uh, something like you know, the storefront owner or the, you know, even a, 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 exactly. de- a dentist even, or like, you know, s- someone who kind of has, has their business that, that as opposed to the next Airbnb, right? Yes, someone who's yes, like, exactly. oh, we, we raised a series A, now we're doing a series B and, and, you know, and, and we got the, this is pre-money, but like, no, th- those, those, that glossary of terms does not apply to, to the, to that other class. Exactly. Is, 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 okay. Yeah. So the, the yoga studio owner, right. the massage therapist and esthetician, the um, small boutique consulting firm, the person who runs a business where they make handmade soaps and body scrubs and they sell them through their e-commerce site. Like, yeah, like true, like small businesses, like mom and pop type of shops. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, okay. So as we, we kind of move into the, the post COVID the segment used to be called post COVID and I feel like I need to rename it because we're still I, in it. We're still in it. I mean, we're going to be, in it, but like it's supposed to be about like, how will you move on afterwards essentially? So really what the segment now is kind of evolved into is how has your business evolved and how will it continue to evolve? Um, so let's just start with that. Uh, it's obviously moved virtual um, is, do you, have you started to make, any sort of plans to have in-person events or is that just so far okay <laughs> that is so shaking far. your head my because, eyes yeah. got okay. big i started yep. shaking my head yeah no 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 okay um so i'd always done my actual coaching virtually mm-hmm. but the virtual events have been amazing so a couple things that i saw as learnings that honestly covid helped me implement more, much more aggressively than I would have without COVID. So when you host an event yourself, you have a lot of costs, you have upfront costs, you have the space, you have food and beverage, you have kind of logistical costs, all of those things that are just, they're a sunk cost for you. And you hope that, you know, you are able to sell registrations, you might sell more out of the event, all of that good stuff. So I just loved these events so much. I was enjoying it and I do what I do in my business because I love it that I would have had all of these different events over the year. Um, it's a lot of work, but also there's a lot of just kind of upfront costs. What I've done with COVID is that I go to other people's events. I have been just like here, this is like your event. <laughs> I'm in yeah. your event, Grant, right? <laughs> Limited guest list, very exclusive. <laughs> very exclusive event. But yeah, so one of the things that I shifted was I've been doing lots of speaking engagements. I do lots of webinars, workshops, IG lives on other people's accounts. Um, So I go to where the audiences are instead of asking them to come to me. And what that does is I have no cost. I just go in, I offer value. And there are folks who are in those audiences who say, wow, I am totally this person that she's talking about. When I'm teaching, I love doing Q&A. I open up the space for Q&A as much as possible so people can ask their questions and I'm just very direct. I'm giving them very specific advice and folks are like, oh, I wanna know more. And so that has been the main way that folks have been coming into, into my program. So it's so interesting over the past few months, that's really been with COVID, 
this shift of, okay, I'm still doing events, but this is actually a lot more cost effective than me hosting events, putting in all that time. I can go to other people's events. I'm speaking all that good stuff. And this is a, a way for me to have the same type of marketing impact, but without all of the cost. And I love it. I love connecting. It's crazy. I did my first IG live like some weeks ago um, on with this big, this big um, brand that has lots and lots of followers. They have like 600,000 followers and their audience was so amazing. And I was like, Oh, this is like what I love about being in person. Like everybody's commenting, everybody's sending emojis. And it's just like, great. And so I had to shift my mindset, honestly, to not be like, Oh, but I wish I was in person and just get over it. Cause that's not happening and really embraced what was actually coming coming my way so that has been amazing my my core program that um that i run with take back your time my small group and the one-on-ones has been great and, and all of that but something else that's happened with the business i recognized an opportunity around small businesses right so i'm seeing more and more small businesses who are coming to me and saying, okay, I need your help. And I do work with them on their businesses as a part of Take Back Your Time. I've always done that. But I also saw an opportunity to create a program, a new product specifically for small businesses. And so I created the curriculum for my small business accelerator that combines what I do in Take Back Your Time. So all those foundational principles from Take Back Your Time with a new curriculum that is specifically for small businesses and the challenges that they face in order to grow their businesses. So this is not a, hey, we wanna keep it afloat. This is no, grow your business. And part of that is because of where I am, right? I haven't been keeping it afloat. I had that, that moment, right? I gave myself those three days, I mourned. And then I was like, okay, let's go get it. And the people who are saying, I still wanna grow my business, I still wanna make it happen, regardless of what's happening with the world, those are the folks who are coming and they're working with me now in my small business accelerator. Right. That's amazing. So th these adjustments that you've made, it sounds like they will be uh, replicated, duplicated, uh, incorporated into 2021 or oh, yeah. 2020 normal, whenever that is. Uh, <laughs> th but th these, these changes, these evolutions, that, that these, these steps that you've taken, they're here to stay. Yeah, I saw it as an opportunity to learn. Honestly, I am someone who I like to plan. I just, I love to plan and I love to get like really focused and I'm just going down, down the path. But in my innovation practice, I use lean startup methodology mm -hmm. and it's all about really listening to your customer, looking at the data. Oh, please, let's look at the data. Let's not just go based on our feelings. Let's look at the data and let's test let's test and iterate. And so I have to consult myself. I have to advise myself and make sure that I do that because as a business owner who loves what I do and who gets excited and passionate about things, sometimes I don't do that, right? Like sometimes I just get really stuck on, but I want to do it this way, right? And because that, that happens to me sometimes, I can even get on a path like I was. Honestly, I don't think that that strategy of all those events was a good strategy for the year. I don't think it was the most efficient approach. I would have loved it and would it would have been fun and I would have made the revenue that I expected, but it would not have been as profitable as the ways that I've shifted. And so even for me, being able to have that perspective and take a step back and say, okay, yeah, 
the world is crazy with COVID, but what can I learn? What can I learn that's not about, okay, I have to do it differently because of COVID, but that's about listening to the customer. That's how I got this new product, the Small Business Accelerator. That's about looking at the data. I can do math and I can just, if I subtract out all of those event costs and all I have to do is show up on a, on a webinar and give folks real value and that's my marketing cost, Woo, okay, that's much more profitable, right? So listening to the customer, looking at the data, and being willing to test, to test things, right? I created the curriculum for this accelerator and ran a pilot, right? So ran a pilot to say, what do I need to tweak? Am I getting the outcomes from folks? Am I, what kind of feedback are they giving when they do their surveys, when they do their evaluations, all of that. And so it's really just kind of forced me to go back to the basics because I get very excited and I'm excitable. So it's forced me to get, you know, really focused on the basics and I'm definitely going to stay on, on the path for the rest of the year and into next year. So usually um, I, I struggle, but I, I try to end each episode uh, on a very positive note, which can be difficult sometimes. Like if someone has like, you know, uh, a, a business that by, by, that by its nature is very difficult to pivot. Like if you, if you are producing a physical good, uh, it's generally pretty, you know, it's, it's just difficult to, to, to pivot. Right. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is thank you for making it so easy for me to end on a positive note, because it's like, Oh, you're, you're, you're so, so hopeful uh, because you have put in the time and, and you've made the quick pivots and adjustments and are adding value to, to, you know, to, to the people who I love my ilk, my, the, my, my small business, uh, brethren out there. It's, it's inspiring. Um, so normally when I, uh, when I, when I wrap things up here, I ask how guests, or I ask guests how listeners can support you. Um, but I feel almost like that's sort of backwards in this case, because the real question is, if listeners can use some support and direction of their own, how do they call on your services? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so definitely visit my website, WhitneyAWhite.com, and there they can find more information on not just what I do, but get inspired, read the stories of folks who have worked with me and who are getting transformation in their own lives, starting their businesses, growing their businesses, all that good stuff. So totally go there. But also on WhitneyAWhite.com, they're going to be able to sign up for my free masterclass, which is awesome, I think, because it is free and I'm doing like real teaching. Oh, I'm doing so it. <laughs> I will see you there. Yes. So I'm doing real teaching. I'm like, it's very like content heavy, like take notes, like get into it, like walk away with some tangible things that you can implement in your life. Um, and then you can also sign up for my newsletter where I am all about sharing tips, very specific suggestions. I'm super action oriented, if you guys can't tell. So I am all about giving folks content that they can use and implement in their real lives, right? So definitely do that. Go there. Learn more about the stories of the folks who've been working with me and, and the impact that they've been achieving in their own life and get some, some free teaching for yourself. WhitneyAWhite.com. I love it. And in case uh, the listeners out there can hear just a, a little bit of typing, that was me literally going <laughs> and subscribing to your newsletter 
right now as as you were answering that question. Um, okay, well, you you have been amazing. Um, so people can go to WhitneyAWhite.com. Uh, listeners listeners of the show get zero percent off. And <laughs> Whitney A. White, I, I can see why you are worth every penny. And well, actually, oh, actually, oh. I do. I do want to give more to your listeners. This is a very good point. I'm glad you said that. Well. So if your <laughs> listeners actually want to talk to me. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> you know what, guys, you should feel really thankful to Grant because Grant was like, give us something. Give us something. Give the listeners <laughs> something. So if your listeners want to chat with me. They can schedule a complimentary breakthrough session. What we'll do during that session, this is my gift to you all and this wonderful community. We'll talk through your goals. We'll talk through your challenges. We'll map out where you really want to be over the next three months, six months, a year, and dig into what's going to make the biggest difference in you getting there. So this is a different place because this is not on my website. You cannot get here from the website. So listen carefully so I can tell you guys where to go. So it's going to be WhitneyAWhite.com slash time. WhitneyAWhite.com slash time. And that's a private booking calendar. And you guys can book a complimentary breakthrough session with me there. It's 50 minutes. And it would be a thank you to this wonderful community. WhitneyAWhite.com slash time. Wow. Grant, that was wild. Wow. You were like, wait a minute, was... give us something. <laughs> no, no, that was, uh, that, that. no, I would never ask a, a, a guest to give anything. I, cause I, I know, I, I know, and I understand how much work goes into providing the value that you do. And, and I, I would never want to undervalue. So that was, no, but that, was that was an too. off the, that was an off the cuff gift. That was, that was unplanned. That was, that was unscripted. Thank you so much. That is, that is so generous of you. Um, I mean, I, you know, cause again, I can see why you're worth every penny. And, uh, of course you're going to ex- exceed all expectations for the year, uh, m- monetary and, and otherwise, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Can't wait to have you back and just, and see just how, how badly you beat the, the 2020 expectations. Thank you, Grant. And thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Whitney A. White of taking back your time. If you want more info, check out the super secret link she just gave to you guys, the audience, WhitneyAWhite.com slash time. And you say I never give you anything. My unsponsor of the show is only coastally applicable, so I apologize to my sevens of landlocked listeners. Today's show is not brought to you by my new favorite product, Driftline Board Shorts. They make the coziest, warmest board shorts that are lined with a neoprene layer aka wetsuit material, that prevents chafage and encourages warmth, which of course makes every summer surf session that much better. Seriously, I've worn them like the last five days. Can you tell this is recorded in Southern California? Grab a pair at driftline.co. Thank you to Peggy Bunker and the Bunkmates for use of their song Geronimo. Thank you to Pasty Design for being the only reason my website looks professional. All stats and stories today come from worldometer.com, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, Morning Brew, and NPR. Check out smallbizgoneviral.com for all episodes and updates, but more importantly, go there to tell me who I should interview next, what you like and loathe about this show, and then go lie and rate this five stars and say you love it on any and all public forums, specifically Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify, and maybe even sign up and subscribe. Someday this will all be over. Until then, stay safe, stay distant, and wear a freaking mask. From my windowless office in Pacific Beach, recorded and produced before work hours, this is 
Small Biz Gone Viral. Get it? It's a pun. It's, it's punny.